1: Value investing has come to the fore in the last few months, and there's been lots of talk of sector rotation, people getting out of tech, which is perceived to be rather too highly valued uh, from a valuation point of view, and getting into, as I said, the, the value stocks. Value stock investors seem to be those people that are the most patient. They have the patience of Job, and they eventually come good. Are they coming good now? Let's find out now with Simon Adler. Simon Adler is a fund manager, Equity Value, at Schroeder's in London, and Simon, the Yes, this value story, it had some legs and then it seems to falter a little bit. What do you make of it? Have we missed the boat? I think that was the theme of your speech at the Schroder's Investment Symposium.
0: Yes, um, thanks for having me on. Um, Our view is that it's very hard to ever time any investment style and it's very hard to ever know what's going to happen next week or next month and so on. But our, our very strong view is that we think value has plenty of legs left if one looks at the big picture, value has had such a tough decade, an unbelievably tough first three quarters of 2020. And what we've seen in the last few months is barely a blip compared to how far it could go just to get back to normal. And so when we look at the big picture, we think there is a huge amount of upside left in value. We think that growth looks very expensive. The tech stuff looks very expensive. To your point, and we think that the value shares that we own and that we see in the market look look very attractively valued.
1: Not all value stocks are created equally. It's like saying emerging markets. I mean, the difference between South Africa and Vietnam, for example, is, is enormous. So there must be a huge difference between certain value sectors and stocks and certain others. What do you favour?
0: Yeah, I mean, you're absolutely right. And we favour the shares that not only are cheap, we only look at the cheap shares, but which also have the good balance sheets that we think can withstand any structural pressures against them. We think that generate cash so that the profits actually turn into cash that don't have any major ESG risks. And they're the kind of things we ask seven questions every time we look at the stock and you know, over time, we've typically said no to 95% of the shares we look at. So to your point that value shares aren't aren't created equal, we think only about 5% of them are actually really attractive. And uh, that's, you know, what we spend our time doing is going through the weeds and trying to say, no, that one's got too much debt. No, what that one's just too rubbish a business. (laughs) That one's got massive environmental liabilities and so on. And then end up with, you know, The ones that we think are are really cheap and really interesting.
1: Do you ever get impatient, Simon, you and your colleagues in the in the value strategy at Schroder's equity value? It must be terribly frustrating to sit there and see Amazon and Tesla and all the others, uh, Alphabet uh, going through the roof and the value stocks sort of bumbling along at the bottom. But then uh, after uh, three, four, five years, maybe even more, suddenly they spring to life. And that must be terribly satisfying. But occasionally, do you and your clients, more importantly, start to get a little bit frustrated with that strategy?
0: Um no's the short answer. I think my wife would say I occasionally get impatient when I'm trying to do DIY. Oh, but in gosh. terms of the day job, I think we have extraordinary patience because we're we're students of history. And the history tells you that being a value investor requires patience. It requires the ability to sit tight and remain and be patient. So as a result, ourselves, we know that value goes through these very tough periods. They can be much longer than you want and they can be much tougher than you want. But over the long term, you know, if you put 10 grand into value and 10 grand into growth in 1926, the growth would be worth 80 million today. The value would be worth. 780 million. So we know that being patient, sticking to it and staying the course delivers outstanding returns for clients. And then when it comes to clients themselves, we've been crystal clear all the way along. We've had value funds for 50 years on our desk. And every time we make sure our clients understand exactly what we're doing and why we're doing it. So as a result, people buy us to provide diversification for their portfolio and they understand that we're going to have tough patch if value has a tough patch. But they also understand that when value comes good. We could hope to come good too so our clients have been phenomenal for us and, and they've really stayed the course and that's been hugely rewarding for them and, and rewarding for us that that we have that our clients have that confidence in us
1: some of your headlines in the piece that um, you've sent me which was a part of your symposium very very bullish indeed and actually quite um, bold when you consider that what I, what i consider showed us to be an austere uh, institution you say values recent outperformance is a tremor not an earthquake you say the opportunity is still substantial you're very passionate about this aren't you
0: we are very passionate indeed but we're also i said we're students of history we're students of data and when you look at the data that's where we get that view that we've only had a tremor and that there could be much more to come and that's because if you look at the dispersion between value and growth so the dispersion in value you can see that it's extreme today and that the move that we've had in value over the last six months or so barely registers on a long term chart of how much there could be to go for. So that's why we only describe it as a tremor. And it's why we have confidence that over the long term, we think that value has a huge amount to make up for. So it's on the basis of, of data that we, that we say comments like that. We frankly don't say comments like that very often and very lightly. But, uh, we think we're at an extreme today on many measures. We're at a more extreme level of valuation dispersion than, than the world was at during the dot com boom, which yeah. has been regarded as a, a parody of investment ridiculousness
1: yes and in fact in one of your paragraphs you say uh, well the headline is rebutting the this time it's different argument you say um the, people that uh, don't believe in your value perspective they say they argue that this time the companies attracting really high valuations are genuinely exceptional businesses with solid fundamentals that are changing the worlds in other words their eye-watering valuations are justified and this is simply a new reality our response is based on two observations what are those two you've you've touched on them already but just reiterate please
0: yes so the first one is that the features of today's biggest tech companies are are outstanding i don't deny that but they were also outstanding of the biggest companies in 2000 the biggest companies in 2000 were not the lastminute.com or the pets.com which attracts the headlines and the memories Mm. the biggest companies then were microsoft cisco intel and ibm four blue chip businesses that were terrific companies that generated outstanding growth and phenomenal long-term returns on capital if you invested in them within three years you'd have lost on average 60 60 percent of your money so i don't dispute the quality of the franchises of the facebooks the apples the googles but what we're saying is that the valuations are uh what well, The valuations of companies that were similar in 2000 did not protect, the quality of the business did not protect them, given the valuations. Clearly, I don't know what's going to happen to the big companies today, but it's just an observation of history. And then the second point is that even if you exclude the biggest five percent of businesses, so the fangs of the world. And secondly, even if you exclude the most expensive 10% of businesses out there, the level of dispersion in the market is still extreme versus any level of history. It's still at dot com type levels. Yeah. So that's why I say what I say because one, the big companies that were great businesses did not protect people in 2000, and two, even if you ignore the biggest companies or the most expensive companies today. The level of valuation dispersion remains extreme. And we think there are two very important features for people to understand as they look at markets and portfolios. today.
1: OK, I don't think we should indulge ourselves in dissing uh, the, the, the high value, high, high flying growth tech stocks. So I think we should look at what this is all about now. And that is value. And the last two paragraphs are very interesting to me. Uh, the f- headline of the first last paragraph is uh, finding value in unexpected places. And then it goes on to say not too late to embark. And you've really uh, said that already because it's just a blip on the chart, but you're finding value in unexpected places. What sort of unexpected places are you finding this value?
0: Yeah, so w- we're seeing value all over the place, actually. So it's not just financials and, and energy and things like that. We're seeing value in some areas of the pharmaceutical sector, companies where there's a perceived patent cliff, but where They've thrown billions of dollars at it, and the chances are they will come up with new drugs. That's what's happened whenever any other pharma company has hit a patent cliff. So we see attractions there. We see some attractions in some assets that were hit by the pandemic, whether that's brewing or whether that's leisure assets, where companies you know, just uh, in the eye of the storm, but are perfectly good businesses that can weather that storm and come out the other end. And, and, you know, to go back to the first question you asked me, it requires patience. But we're willing to be patient for a pharma company to come up with a new drug. We're willing to be patient for people to go on holiday again. We're willing to be patient for people to go to the pub again. And there are companies, Mm -hmm. whether in those sectors or other sectors, where For those that are willing to be patient and have done the homework and checked the balance sheets and the cash generation, we think offer some fantastic opportunities for long-term investors.
1: Are you allowed to, without giving away too many secrets, and obviously as long as you're already invested in this particular company, are you allowed to tell me a company that epitomizes value in mid-2021
0: I would love to talk to you about companies. Um, unfortunately, our compliance department uh, listen in to these kinds of conversations. Oh, dear. So uh, <laughs> okay. I'm, I'm not allowed to give you one. Um, but, you know, the, the kind of flavor of companies that we think are attractive are ones that have good balance sheets because none of us know what's around the corner. So we want to make sure the business can survive for five years or so that generate cash that have um, uh, features of the business that we think has a future so it's not going to going to get killed by structural change and where the valuation is very attractive and we believe the risk to our client's capital is very low that's what we spend our time looking for and most of the time we don't find it we say no 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 and no again and again and again but then we find the, you know, the ruby and the rubble and we say yes
1: I love your enthusiasm, Simon. Simon Adler is a fund manager, Equity Value at Schroder's, speaking to us from London. And just to reiterate, Simon, you think that value has a long-term place in everyone's portfolio. Is that right? Absolutely. Simon, thanks very much for your time. The views and opinions expressed in these podcasts are those of Lindsay Williams and various contributors and do not reflect the policy, position or